disclaimer. This is world-building bonus content. You don't need to listen to this to enjoy the podcast, and if you don't enjoy this sort of content, just skip on past it and get back to the show. If this is your cup of tea, enjoy. The name's Tumblebrook, Merwin Tumblebrook, and I'm here to talk about halflings. Should be pretty easy, given I am one. Now, there's a lot you tall folk think you know about our kind, and while some of it's true, a lot of it's all rotten apples. I'm here to help sort out the wheat from the jaff. Let's start with where we come from. Now, a lot of folk think halflings only live natively in Halfland, where a lot of our brothers and sisters do live under orcish rule these days. While it's true there's a lot of halflings in Halfland, you'll find us all over Jova, and even a few in Sanstal and Sunder, especially in Cairnon, the only nation to still have a halfling king, King Bolo Barrelwater McCairn. Those of us who are Cairnies are proud to live in a halfling nation, not that we don't have humans and other folk living with us, but the tall folk there are on the other foot. So, I'll focus on Cairnies halfling traditions in this year lecture of mine, and it all runs pretty true for halflings wherever you go. So, the number one thing I hear tall folk tell about halflings is that we're greedy. Well, it's true, we have an appetite, but it's hardly surprising, is it? We're half the size of humans, a third the weight, and we do all the same work on two-thirds the food. Or maybe we're not so good at the heavy lifting. And there'll be no jokes from the back of the lecture all about reaching for our shelves. Don't think I didn't hear you. But it's true that we eat a lot for our sides. And there's a lot of us beside. So I understand how it might look to the tall folk. But what I reckon the flummoxes them is the meals. We halflings have 12 meals, where humans have three. First breakfast, second breakfast, brunch, elevenses, lunch, twosers, a mid-afternoon snack, tea, dinner, sweet supper, and a pre-bed snack are the classic halfling meals. But the thing tall folk don't get is that we don't eat the same amount in one of our meals as a human does trying to cram all their food in during breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We spread our meals out, eating a little bit a lot of the time. I'm sure we could eat it all in three meals, and human kings have tried to make us in the past, but we get awful bloated. The other thing about the meals that makes them look bigger is that we have them all together, as often as we can. Back in the home, we get all together as a family, and we have table meals, usually first and second breakfast, tea, supper and sweet. When we're working, we get together with our workmates and have a snack and a chat together. But humans who see us eating see all this food in the middle of the table and don't realise it's for 18 halflings altogether. They just see a heap of food and they think it's a feast because they don't have families larger than six. And the reason we do that is because halflings are all about community. We live together, we work together, we sleep together. You lot stop that sniggering at the back or I'll come over there and thump you one. There's an old joke that it takes a village to raise a halfling and a halfling to raise a village on account of how big our families are. (laughs) Well, we love our families. We love making them, we love raising them. Ours are just a little bigger than yours. The number two thing I hear folk tell is that halflings are lazy. Ha! Couldn't be further from truth. Sure, we eat and chat a lot, but we work like the dickens in between. Just because we don't hate our work and grumble like humans don't mean we don't do it. I said before, we eat two-thirds of what a human does. Well, some of the smart folk in this university sat down and worked it out. And on average, we do nine-tenths the work a human does in a day, especially on a farm. Not a bad ratio. That's one of the reasons for the halfling reputation for farming, why our lands produce so much food. We work hard, we work together, and most importantly, we work smart. See, the third thing tall folk think is that we're stupid, and that's even less true than being lazy. Most of us are farmers, and we're good at it. Well, 
Most humans are farmers and they're bad at it. We've got plenty of philosophers and thinkers and these days we've got inventors and scientists too. Who invented the horse plow? Halflings. Who invented the four field system? Halflings. Who invented the windmill for drainage and milling? The wheelless apple blossom plough? Even the printing press to spread news? Halflings. We got where we are today because we use our brains as well as our ants and we're damn good at both. You go up to the Cairnese Islands and you can still see the ancient irrigation networks that supply water to those terraced hills, supporting the vineyards and cereal farms that bring so much of that otherwise arid country its wealth. Of course, being that wealthy has always had its disadvantages. One being that folk, sometimes are the halflings, but most often tall folk, want to take it from you. Halfling history is full of humans, elves, orcs and hobgoblins trying to drive us out for our land, or conquer us, or enslave us and make us work their fields for them. And all too often, they've been successful. We're short, and while we're strong for our size, we're not as strong man for man as humans or even elves. That's been a big disadvantage over the centuries. We don't do well with big weapons and heavy shields, and we don't have the height or strength for longbows, and we certainly can't hold pike walls against charging cavalry. That's the reason you don't see many halfling kingdoms in history on the open plain. We don't do well in a straight-up honourable fight. Of course, honours just what folk call fighting on their terms, and dishonours what they call it when they lose. In ancient history, an halfling's best friend was a sling. We could put a lead bullet through a human or even an orcish skull at 300 paces. Then came the crossbow, where strength didn't matter. You wound her up and let her go and you could fire just as hard as any elven longbow. Nowadays we use the pistol, or for preference the halfling carbine. A shorter, slimmer version of the musket designed to keep the musket's range, even if she doesn't pack quite as hard a punch. I know some folks still prefer the crossbow, even today, since it's less likely to give away your position when you fire it. The sax, too, has always been a favourite, and it's the standard sidearm in the Kearney's military. A short sword, really a long knife, suited for killing folk when you don't want to make a fuss about it. Not making a fuss is the halfling watchword in war. If you study halfling military history, you'll find the most successful campaigns were won by subterfuge. Poisoning water supplies, slitting the throats of baggage horses in the night, or soldiers, setting fire to camps and camp followers. Even in an open fight, we've always prized using the terrain to our advantage. We're small, we're agile. The best halfling ambushes are in the hills or the woods, at range, against a company that didn't even know we were there. As soon as it becomes an even fight, we melt away. We skirmish, we scout, we fight dirty because we're smart. Honour is just a way of conning people into fighting the way you want them to. Now that sense of keeping hidden is one of the reasons we build our homes into hillsides. If it's hard for your enemy to know where you live, it's hard for them to fight you there. It's not just against foreign foes though. Halflings might not anger easy, but when we do, we keep grudges across generations. In the Cairnese Antalans, there's clans that have been killing each other for hundreds of years. Long enough, nobody even remembers what got it started. There's a famous halfling general, Fabian Birkwood, who held off an army of 50,000 Thrynese soldiers during the 7th century, with less than a tenth of that number in halfling slingers and marksmen. He used the Cairnese hills to his advantage, and almost never engaged his opponent, the Duke Hans de Bart, directly. With the mountains between Hans's armies and his homelands, he relied on limited supply lines to keep his troops fed and maintained without foraging off the land. So, Fabian employed scorched earth tactics to deny him resources, 
burning halfling farm. Stetson withdrawing the people while making frequent attacks on both the supply lines themselves and Hans's foraging parties. He split Hans's army into smaller chunks, forced them to spread themselves out over a wide area, and only ever engaged when he could concentrate all or most of his army on a fraction of the Thrynese force. Even though his force was massively inferior in a global sense, he engaged when he had local numerical superiority and could use the terrain to ambush his opponents. By the time three years was up, Hans had lost more than half his army to attacks, desertion and starvation, and had no choice but to turn around and give the whole thing up as a bad job. So that's halflings for you. We're smart, hard-working, we love food and family, we're good at making both, we're great friends, and we are terrible enemies. Best you remember next time you start rolling out the short jokes.